virgin all the way. Oh, and it's a beautiful goal! What a New season is upon us and Leicester have been staggeringly stagnated in the transfer window. No one has joined, but at least we've got players like Kasper Schmeichel still at the club. What? He's gone? Get out of it. Anyway, we're back and that's what matters. It's for Fox's sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox's Sake. My name is Pete Selby and alongside me over the airwaves is Mr. Rob Hayes. Rob, it's great to be back. We've had a, a very, very busy summer of activity at the football club. Loads of players have left. Loads of players have come in. It's a complete change. We've got a different manager. We've got a different kit. We're playing in purple. It's all, it's all changed. We've changed the name of the club. It's just so much news. So much has happened. I don't know how we're going to start this. I don't know how we're going to start, and I don't know how we've got through an entire summer without doing a podcast when so much has happened. We, you've got, what, hour and a quarter, hour and a half maximum to get through all of this? No idea. Where do you want to start? Well, we said at the end, we'll start at the end of last season, right? Because, um, first of all, um, welcome back to all the listeners. Welcome back uh, if you've listened over years and years and years. If you've just started listening, then uh, welcome to, for fuck's sake, uh, essentially... <laughs> We're two idiots talking about Leicester, but we've been doing it for about nine or ten years now. But uh, no, we are um, commentators at the football club, and uh, we've just been doing this for ten. It's just our views. That's all it is. It's mine and Rob's views. We we get to watch Leicester in in person at the at the King Power. Very lucky to do so, and uh, it's just our musings. And uh, and there we go. But importantly. We said at the end of last season, or I said, that we'll be back in probably a few weeks' time or when something happens for a kind of mid-season podcast. Of course, that never happened because nothing's happened. So every time I felt like kind of... I don't even text you, Rob, as well. I was like, I text Rob going, we won't do a podcast because nothing's happened. We'll just be kind of repeating ourselves. No one needs that extra one. So we'll just kind of... And I presume you kind of thought the same thing, Rob. Well, yeah, I had, I had nothing to text you about, did I? Because we don't exchange pleasantries. It's football or nothing with me and you. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't know at all what you're doing. Um, it's, uh, but what? Well, nothing's happened at all, even up until... Okay, you got the games in pre-season, but up until, say, the last 48 hours, with obviously Casper leaving, and then the transfer rumour mill kind of really starting to go with players leaving, um, I've got signings none, and also, in brackets, none being linked, <laughs> exclamation mark on my bit of paper. It's... Generally, nothing really has happened. We could talk about kits. We could have talked about, but then there's been a massive delay until the new recent arrival of the third kit. So, anyway, that's why we're doing this podcast now through kind of necessity because we've we've got a game on Sunday. The Premier League starts. I think no, Rob. We're going to have to start with Casper. Now, we could go on a big eulogy and eulogy is probably the wrong word, but we could go back over his career. At Leicester, we could spend we could spend an hour. We could have two or three podcasts about a play like Casper, and when eventually Vardy um, hopefully retires rather than leave the club, then it will be the same with him. But 
this is the big news, isn't it? And we can then start to look towards, obviously, what's going to happen with the goalkeeper situation at the club going forward. But we we said at the end of the season, and it's been kind of rumoured for a few years, and he's kind of wanted a, a different challenge. He always wanted to play for another kind of club before he retires. And did I say he was going to leave at the end of the season? I think I was kind of, if it was me, yes, he would go. But with the likelihood of them bringing in a goalkeeper, Pope obviously then signed for Newcastle. Now, Schmeichel going, yes, okay, he's gone, fine. But the timing for me is bad. It's bad for the club. It's not his fault. Maybe this offer came in last minute and maybe it was on the cards. The amount of football that's been played by Everson, for example, throughout pre-season probably hints at that. But from a football club point of view, looking at the start of the season, it's not great losing your number one goalkeeper with, you know, a matter of hours before the start of the season that you can count down in. It's That's not great. As much as Watch Michael's been at the football club for 11 years, losing him now is not great in any way, shape or form. No, losing a player of that stature at any time, uh, beginning of a window, end of a window, middle of the season is is... Always difficult, isn't it? And because he's been so reliable, so dependable, but so influential for 11 years, for them to then have the extended break over the summer, which, um, you know, was largely down to international exploits and this, that and the other, but, you know, uh, could could possibly have been um, to give him an extra bit of time to sort of clear his head, get his, see what the options are, that kind of thing. But, yeah, it's it's horribly close to the start of the season isn't it and and we obviously we obviously have absolutely no idea whether um uh, how long the agreement's been in place how long the squad and the club have known for sure that he was leaving um so i, I don't necessarily know that it that it will upset um anybody in the squad i don't think this kind of thing will will have come as as a surprise to most of the, especially not the senior members of the squad because he's part of that sort of uh, leadership team, as Michael with with Evans and Vardy and and Tielemans and a few others, but it, it, the timing wise, from us looking from the outside in, uh, especially with what we'll talk about in a few moments' time about the goalkeeping situation, um, and and Brentford around the corner on Sunday, and the, and the transfer to Nice was confirmed yesterday, being Wednesday as we record t- today on the Thursday, it's horribly close. It's it's sort of uncomfortably close to the start of the season to lose your captain and the man who has been the first name on the team sheet for 11 years. It is. If if there was one position on a field where if you're going to lose that player and if looking at Leicester especially, maybe this would be the lesser, let's just say if, if you lost a... Um, <laughs> which we might do, but if you lost, say, Madison on the eve of the season or you lost to Vardy and then, uh, or a Tielemans or maybe a Fafana, again, we'll come to that shortly. But having the fact that others have played throughout the season or pre-season, should I say, kind of lessens that blow. If he was the main goalkeeper throughout all those games and then all of a sudden it's like, right, by the way, Danny Ward or by the way, you're, you're the goalkeeper now. I, I think this has probably been bubbling under the scenes for quite a while and it's been quite easy to see that with, again, the starting lineups in those games. But, um, so yeah, if we talk about what's going to happen now, um, Dave Lewisby, he, he mentioned, uh, he asked, are the current goalkeepers good enough to replace Casper? 
nice and nice question, nice and straightforward question. He thinks we need a goalkeeper who could command the box, which is why I I was all on the Pope train, someone who can come forward and, and claim the ball. Now, certainly most goalkeepers, possibly in world football, would come for crosses more than Kasper Schmeichel, but um, I would probably class Danny Ward as maybe not one of them. Everson, very very impressed with what people were saying about him on loan at Preston. I can't see him starting on Sunday at all. Um, Ward lost his place in the Wales team as well. And Hennessy, I think he's on the bench at Forest. So it's going to be a real chance for him now to, to claim that place. And I've got no problem with Ward being the Leicester City goalkeeper and then Everson on the bench. That's not a problem for me. The, the problem will be is if... The problems that we had last season, especially from from crosses, from set plays, from corners, as Nesta fans all know, if that hasn't been adjusted or sorted out, and we know Leicester tried to bring in a set play coach and there's been problems with visas, etc., and that's not quite worked out as yet. But if that remains, and not just for the first game, let's not like go mad if we can see from the corner against Brentford, but over the course of the first, say, three or four games... If those problems remain, then certainly, even if Danny Ward plays well and makes no mistakes, I still will be looking at that position and going, well, surely buying a person like Dave mentioned, who's more commanding in the box, it makes a huge difference. And I will always go back to Pope at Burnley and the way he deals. I know he's got the size, but that you've got to use it. But the way he deals with the high ball and not just from corners, but from deep free kicks out wide, near the halfway line, diagonals into the box. He was one of the best goalkeepers at coming out of his six-yard box and claiming the ball. He's got the height, he's got the um, the attitude too as well. But unlike, say, a goalkeeper like, say, Ramsdale, who's got the attitude, he's got the height. And also, a lot of players just kind of look around and go, if he's going to come for the ball, you're not going to jump with him because he's just so tall. And that was the sort of goalkeeper that I think Leicester would need to sort out those issues. I think a lot of it can be solved from that. So there's going to be a lot of attention on Ward at the start of the season and on Leicester from those set plays because if it hasn't worked out, I think his position could become vulnerable regardless, actually, of the way of how he's played because he's a very similar goalkeeper to Schmeichel. Similar-ish, not quite the same, but on those kind of goalkeeping wavelengths. Yeah, and the likelihood is that the starting centre-backs all being well are going to be Fafana and Evans. And they were two big misses throughout large chunks of the season um, when we're talking about um, aerial prowess, desire to attack the ball in your own penalty area. Uh, you know, nobody could quite exactly put the finger on what the issue or issues were. You know, was it the positioning? Was it the zonal marking? Was it the man for man? Was it the lack of willingness for Casper to come off his line? Was it the lack of uh, aggression in the air? It was all of them, really, wasn't it? In, in, and you could blame one one week and a, a different one the next. The, the thing for Ward is that position is going to be under scrutiny anyway because we've just been, you know, there, there'll be some people, maybe not listening to this podcast because, I mean, you've probably got better things to do when you're 11 years old, but there'll be a lot of, Leicester City supporters who have never known anybody other than Casper Schmeichel as their goalkeeper. So you're talking. Uh, well, uh, Rob, Rob, I've got yeah. I've got written down here. 
There will be supporters of an age who have never seen Leicester without Schmeichel in goal. Yeah. In fact, there will be people who go to the King Power in their 20s who will be going with their own children who have never seen Leicester without Schmeichel in goal. 11 years. There's a, that's, a, that's a hell of a long time. It's, yeah, it's a huge period of time. And, and, and obviously, um, I don't know whether we'll get time on this podcast or, or whatever to, to, to talk about sort of the, the changes that he's seen uh, in his time at the club and, and what we've achieved in those 11 years. But, you know, the, the position's under scrutiny because Schmeichel, club captain, very vocal figure, very much a figurehead of everything that Leicester City is about. Um, and also the fact that he is the only player who has either come in or left the club this summer. He's gone. He's the only exit. So it, it it's even more intensity there. Now, Danny Ward. If if you'd have said to me at the start of this summer, Schmeichel's going, would you get in another keeper or would you start Ward? I, I would have said get another keeper. Now, I, I, I'll be honest with you. Nobody's seen an awful lot of Danny Ward because unless you're watching training every single day, uh, you have to wait for the odd Wales game. And um, he had an absolute howler in one of the Wales games. Anyway, he tripped over his own feet or something daft like that. But we, we won't uh, we won't dwell on that one. Um, he was signed for £12.5 million, which is not a small fee for a goalkeeper. From Liverpool, uh, obviously a, a, a very, very elite level club. And he has been, albeit until relatively recently, the Wales number one. 26 caps, I think, something like that. So... There is a very, very good goalkeeper there. But the question you have to ask yourself is, if if this club is trying to continue to improve and trying to constantly find ways to to knock on the door of the top six, is Danny Ward your man? I think it's only time will tell. It's it's I I don't feel 100% confident with it. But I think there are worse number two goalkeepers out there who could be stepping in. Um, and what I wouldn't want the club to do is is rush anything, bring in somebody that's not a good fit, um, start them for a bit, they have a couple of clangers, they affect the confidence of the team. Then all of a sudden you say to Ward, all right, well, this one didn't work out, so now's your chance. And he's a bit like, well, you should have valued me a bit higher. Brendan Rodgers is making the noises like Danny Ward is a number one goalkeeper. So, I mean, if you take that and the club's financial situation, then it, it looks fairly certain that Danny Ward will start the season as Leicester's first choice goalkeeper, which is OK, but I'm not totally inspired by it. Yeah, he has to say that, doesn't he, Brendan? It's um, it's it's an intriguing situation. I, I'm exactly the same as you. If you said that at the start of the transfer window, then I would have said exactly the same. But... The one thing I think with everything that we're going to talk about today that we have to remind ourselves is that the transfer window actually doesn't close for an awful long time. With the season starting relatively early due to the World Cup, etc., there's a long time before the transfer window closes for players coming in and out. I think a lot of the players that we thought maybe would have gone by now will probably still go, but it's going to be late on. And when it comes to the... It's a perfect kind of trial, really, as well. Look, you've got essentially three weeks and a fair number of games in the Premier League to say, right, are, is everything working smoothly? If not, then I'm sure there's goalkeepers out there and the button will be pressed and then they can go and get that goalkeeper. So it's, and again, that will apply for everything as well, for every single position at the football club. But with Casper, I mean, it's 
everyone knows. You know, he's he's a uh, again legend is a horrible word to use because it's used all the time. But he obviously is. But I would I would go further than that. Hero, a football hero. Jamie Vardy's my football hero. I think he's everyone's football hero at Leicester. But Schmeichel is. It's Kasper Schmeichel. He is the embodiment of everything that Leicester have been in their greatest period. He grew with the club. But what Kasper did, he didn't grow with the club and then remained at the club for all those years, he grew with the club and was still one of the stars. He was one of the only stars that Leicester have had in, in recent years who you would probably put down as being, I would say, world-class goalkeeper. He really is. He's that. He's got the name, obviously, from his from his pet, from his dad, but he also had that authority from what he's done at Denmark, from what he's done off the field, but also from what he's won on the field with Leicester. You know, winning the championship, we know the FA Cup, Community Shield, Premier League... But also, just being one of the top goalkeepers in in world football, and he's more than a keeper, really. With Vardy, I said he's what we've been all about: attitude, the quality of him, the professionalism of him as well, and, and the leadership. Um, and we've seen him do things on the field, which we, of course we've disagreed with, and other fans have got wound up with antics, etc. And when you look at highlights, the highlights reel is is so long. But I think more than that, for me, he was a hero in our worst ever day. And also, he was a hero on our best ever days as well. And it's quite rare for someone to have that in their locker. And he was just a favourite player. He really was, wasn't he? It's Casper. He was always the goalkeeper. But he was always the goalkeeper that was exceptional. And you knew that when there was a one-on-one, Schmeichel was going to come flying out, do the Schmeichel pose, the Schmeichel splits, and there's a very good chance he'd save that one-on-one. Ridiculous saves on the line, fantastic from penalties. Highlights, We all, everyone will go back to the Sevilla game. Don't forget the penalty save in the first leg, penalty save in the second leg, the FA Cup final save from Mounts, the, the goal against Yeovil, which of course is a personal highlight for us. Um, because of what happened in the commentary box that day when Schmeichel scored slash didn't score um, when uh, our good friend George was on commentary and just lost the plot basically because he thought Schmeichel had scored. It was, um, yeah, what what more can you say? Third all-time behind Adam Black and Graham Cross, of course, in, in appearances, 479. But again, 479 appearances as the genuine number one. That's not to take away from the likes of, say, a Wes Morgan or, a, say, a Christian Fuchs, who maybe remained at the club for a couple of years without being a first-team player but were there for maybe for other reasons. There's been players like that in the history of the club. This guy was number one from pretty much day one right until the end, and he leaves as still being one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League. And he goes to, yeah, he goes to Nice. It's not exactly um, a massive powerhouse of world football, but they're giving him a three-year deal, and he's going to live in a very nice place. Why not? So, yeah, just a- a- amazing. And it's going to be very strange that we don't have Kasper Schmeichel in goal, but I think you've got to be thankful that for 11 years we had a Schmeichel as our goalkeeper. I could not agree more with everything that you've just said. The, uh, lots of people will have uh, their own sort of individual memories. There'll be, I, mean, I mean, he was great with fans, wasn't he? There'll be lots of people that are listening to this podcast or or know somebody that, that has had the photo taken with him or at least like, you know, had the chance to at least sort of have a quick chat or get something signed by him. Um, there was obviously all of the moments on and off the pitch that you mentioned there. And, and 
I think you're right, the words legend and hero are massively overused in football. Um, but they are, if, if they're ever going to be used for anybody, it's it's certainly somebody like Schmeichel. I think the the highest, you know, there, there were some people in the last season or two maybe that were bringing his, his ability into question, uh, questioning his form. He, he went through the odd little patch here and there, but I think by and large, he, he's one of the most consistent performers in the Premier League for, for many, many years uh, at the highest level. You could tell he was a guy that, that pushed himself to the limit every day in training and and just made sure that everybody else was was working as hard as they could to be the best that they could be and that kind of character is rare so i think the 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 team the dressing room are going to be missing not just a, a world class goalkeeper but uh, also the, you know a world class kind of character with the winning mentality um there's we've we've had podcast specials over the last few years where we've uh, with various parameters chosen our best ever Leicester team or best by squad number or best Leicester team that never played with each other all those those kind of things um just for a bit of fun in pre- previous pre-seasons and the fact that there was only ever really a conversation uh, about goalkeepers that featured three goalkeepers and Two of them are known as two of the greatest ever goalkeepers that have ever played for England in in Banks and Shilton, uh, and then Schmeichel. And I mean, you know, if you if you put the appearance stats there, but also you've said the fact that he is right in there with amongst those conversations with legendary goalkeepers, and that means that he has legendary status at the football club. He he is he is yeah. If you if you're looking at Morgan Vardy. Those kind of players, um, even some of uh, yours and my favourites, Pete, from our earlier days as as kids growing up watching Leicester with you know your Muzzy is it's your Steve Walsh's that kind of thing. Schmeichel is, I I would make an argument for for the most important player in in Leicester's modern day history. Absolutely, I I would say as well. But it, it's you. You mentioned about the off the field things. You know, it's, it's all very well. You know, you, you sign a, a photo or you take a photo and you, and you sign whatever. It's you might sign a photo, but it's it was constant with him. He was. I remember when he won when we won the championship and he was out there on the pitch, etc. And and obviously he's quite a stable behind the scenes in terms of his family life by by the looks of things. I don't know, but you know, with his kids, etc. And. You, you you kind of looked every now and again at Schmeichel. I don't know about you, but I looked every now and again at him throughout the time that we've been in the Premier League, and kind of gone, "What are you? What are you doing here? <laughs> what you know? You 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 could be the United goalkeeper. You could be anywhere in in Europe, pretty much. But you're with us. It's brilliant that you're with us. But you do have to check yourself sometimes and remind us." Of what a really good goalkeeper he was, but also what um, what a figurehead of the football club he was. It's quite easy to become um, not laxadaisical, but you know you you just expect him to be there. And yeah, it's Casper. Yeah, he's going to, of course he's going to be there. But when you look at it, you go, "Hang on, we've got one of the best goalkeepers around." But also, you mentioned previously about the kind of the inner group of um, experienced pros. They have that core and. For Schmeichel not to be there is going to affect 
a lot of what goes on behind the scenes in the next four weeks or so because one of the other players might well leave in Yuri Tillemans. So does that mean that the the inner group and the group as a whole lose any kind of influence? Not at all, because other players will step up. If, for example, someone like a Madison was to sign a new contract, long-term deal at the football club, he could easily be one of those. A Harvey Barnes, exactly the same. Maybe even they look forward to a KDH and go, right, you can be one of those players, one of those core players. Wesley Fofana, probably not because of his... I don't think he would have maybe that personality. But it's um, it's sad, but it's it kind of feels... It kind of feels at the right time in a in a footballing sense, but not in a in a sense of being four days before the start of the season. That's the key thing. If he left at the end of the season, fine. And it's it's sad that he hasn't got the walk around the pitch and all that sort of thing. But it's just it seems to me it's probably about right, which is what we were kind of hinting at at the end of last season. But but there you go. It, you know he'll go down in the fathoms of of, of Leicester as, as as one of the the greatest players that's ever played. Certainly in that top three goalkeepers um, in history at the football club. You know when you're number three on the all time list as well in terms of appearances. But again, more than that, you know it's um, it, we mentioned about kids and that they. Look at someone Schmeichel. You know, he's he's always been a very popular member of the team uh, with the younger generation. But when that younger generation has their favourite player as Casper Schmeichel, and then when he leaves the football club, and that younger person is now going to the pub before the game, <laughs> that's that kind of says it all. And and like I said at the start, I someone asked me yesterday actually about Schmeichel, and I said about him being growing with the club. But then the club never kind of outgrowing him, where he leaves as generally one of the best goalkeepers. I still in the world, you know. He's, you look at his performances again for his country as well. It's um, yeah, you know. What more? What more can you say? We're, we're thirty-four minutes into the podcast, and uh, and we've uh, we've just finished on Kasper Schmeichel. How about the rest of the side, Rob? What about them? Nobody's coming in. Nobody's going. This is it. Now, if it stays like this, um, we've we've got to go off what it is currently. Right now, as we as we're speaking, if it stays like this, then I'm pretty happy because we we know that last season's form um, and and sort of downturns in form were largely uh, owing to injuries, COVID, lots of factors like that, and not necessarily, um, and not in my opinion, definitely not to do with the quality of the squad. Um, and we still finished very respectably in the Premier League. So, you know, if if the squad stayed exactly as it is now, you you've probably weakened. You have weakened it slightly with the departure of Schmeichel, but if everything else um, looks in good shape. It's but the the problem is, Rogers was very very vocal about wanting to have a squad refresh. So that's almost sort of wet the appetite a little bit for a um for a summer clear out for the ins and outs a, a busy transfer window is what we were expecting a busy transfer window is certainly not what we've had so far so i think that has disappointed people a little bit and the fact that um outgoing rumors are gathering more momentum than incoming rumors is a little bit concerning especially when those outgoings are not your sort of 
sort of squad players, your, your your extras like Chowdhury, Perez, and you know people that we listed at the end of the season podcast about about the ones that could be for the chop in terms of Brendan Rodgers' summer refresh. But actually, the the noise is around. Madison to Newcastle, it's around Fafana to Chelsea, it's still around Tielemans even though it seems to me nobody's ever made any kind of offer for him and and you know, you, you lose even one more of those key players in addition to Schmeichel and you have significantly weakened the squad at a time when the transfer window gets more frantic anyway, teams know then roughly how much money you've got to spend because it's very been very publicly... Um, uh, it's been made very public knowledge that Leicester are not spending money that they haven't got. So let's say, even if the figure's never fully reported, but let's say, in theory, Madison goes to Newcastle for £60 million, other clubs know that Leicester are, 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 are sort of have that much in their coffers and they can start playing hardball with, with transfers in, in the other direction. So it, it weakens as on the pitch but then it weakens you in terms of your bargaining position um and you, as as well in terms of who you can get in for the right price so i i do you know what i would gaffer tape the doors shut wedge them wedge them shut with a broom or something and not let anybody else in or out please thank you let's go let's just start the season now and close the window absolutely i completely agree now Rumour-wise, obviously there's a million and twelve rumours, but I think it's fairly obvious that Newcastle are all over James Madison. I think the um, the, the reports that Madison wanted to leave are very, very very premature. I think if they came in with a bid that was um, possibly acceptable by the football club, you know, a really, really big offer, and they were willing to double his wages, etc., then, then he might turn around and go, do you know what, this is a good opportunity, etc., etc. But I don't think at the moment there's any reason to believe that also um the local press especially have really poo-pooed that saying that there's, that's just complete rubbish um that's one thing the other would be for Wesley Fafana now this is the one that I think's got the legs because uh the the latest as we record obviously this is going to change hour by hour Ben Jacobs uh was a CBS big Leicester fan as well so he's not exactly going to be spouting rubbish but He's reporting that it's a sixty to sixty-five million has been bid, and um, the transfer lord himself, Fabrizio Romano, said the same thing. Turned down by Leicester instantly. Now, how much more it would take for Leicester to consider? He says about uh, Ben Jacobs said about twenty million more. So you're looking around eighty to eighty-five million quid, which I think is what everyone was kind of thinking. If Chelsea turned around and said, "Here's eighty-five million quid for Wesley Fofana," I think. The football club would look at that and go, that's an extraordinary amount of money to turn down for a player who we all know is absolutely superb, but also a player who, let's face it, will probably be here for another year, max, absolute max. They can't see him being here for more than next season, unless something rather dramatic happens with his form or injury or whatever. Um so that would be a very difficult off to turn down. Also, you look at who maybe will be coming into the football club. Now, Loftus Cheek was mentioned, but apparently that's just turned down straight away because he doesn't want to leave. Fine, no worries. Um, Callum Hudson Odoi was mentioned again by Ben as well as being a player that Leicester would be interested in, a player who I, I really like, actually. I think he's played well against Leicester in the past and would certainly be kind of the player we, we will be looking for. And 
and I think would be a very good option depending on what value he would be worth in a deal with Fafana. But that's that's the one. And the one the one vibe I got from being I was at fortunately at the community shield on on uh, last Saturday at the King Power, which was very odd, very very good occasion, but weird to see other fans there. Really good and by all the fans um reports it was it was great for them because it i think the game helped as well because the game was very good and i think it helped being at a ground that wasn't wembley it helped it was almost like a premier league match in a way the fans liked it the fans liked the area as well the parking and that was all done very well uh, for the supporters and uh, uh but when i was there talking to a couple of people and the the one name was for Farner that was being mentioned but a lot of people talking about manchester city you look at what was supposed to be their signing in this uh, Cucurello's gone to Chelsea pretty much so they're willing to spend 40 to whatever amounts on this guy and they haven't bought him for Farner to Manchester City I would not be surprised not be surprised if all of a sudden Manchester City come in with a bid for Wesley Fafana and you instantly know what that is that's an instant I want to go any player in the Premier League, apart from for those at Liverpool or or maybe at one or two at the other clubs, would say no. Everyone else would say yes to Manchester City. You just do. And that's my big worry. My big worry is Chelsea get to a certain point where they're offering, all of a sudden they offer £70 million, final offer, Leicester say no, no problem. Fafana kind of gets a little bit, you know, you've just turned out £70 million. Pounds, you know. I could have been on 250 grand a week there. And all of a sudden, Man City come in and go, we offer 70 million quid. They offer 70 million quid, that's when the transfer request comes in. That's when Fafana turns around and goes, look, I'm sorry, it's the one club you just don't turn down. That's my worry. And also, you've got a little bit of spite there as well. You've got Manchester City looking at Chelsea going, you've just signed our player in this guy from Brighton, this Cucurella. We're going to sign your player in Wesley Fafana. That's my concern. Um, Nathan Ake played against Liverpool, I think, and I think he played very well. As well. But is he going to be a left side of a back two? Don't know. Is he going to be um, one of their first choice defenders? We They've got other ones there as well. But that's my concern. So if you ask me right now, is Wesley Fafana going to be a Leicester player at the end of the transfer window. I'll tell you what, Rob, let's play yes and no. Right. Wesley Fafana, is he going to be a player at the end of the transfer window at the football club? Yes or no? Yes. Right. I'm going to go no. <laughs> for, for all the reasons I've just said. Um, Madison. Yes. I'm going to go yes as well. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say Madison is going to sign a new contract and he's going to be the highest earning player at the football club because obviously Schmeichel's now that's a huge wage gone and I think they're going to pump the wage because the wage bill is very high at Leicester you have to remember that it's very high wage so we compared to turnover so losing Schmeichel or getting rid of Schmeichel off the wage bill makes a huge difference so they can turn around to Madison here's your brand new deal uh, five year deal whatever and you are now the biggest earner over to Jamie Vardy do you want another year you can do, and you can go to that level. Maybe even turn around to a Tielemans before the end of the window and go, look, do you want an extra year? If you do, here's the amount of money. And all of a sudden, that's where the Schmeichel money comes into its own. So that's that's really kind of how that would work. Hopefully, 
in our case um for a new contract for him um barnes yes yeah i can't see i can't see barnes going um i can't see people offering enough but um i just can't see him going because he's he even though all of them are very important players he's a very very important player i yuri tillemans yes i hesitated on that one though <laughs> i'm i'm gonna say he said it quite quickly i was just taking a drink um i'm gonna go yes as well um just no one's coming for him i think i think clubs will but they will need to offer the money and yeah i just play him from the start just play him nothing's happened you carry on kick on play well you might get him you play well for four games someone might come in on transfer deadline day and say right we'll have you 35 million I can see that being the case, but I'll go for yes. Um, Dennis Pratt. This is a rogue one that I was not expecting. Uh, no. I'm going to say no as well. Uh, this is this is answers to what we think is going to happen, isn't it? Because the answer as to what I would like to happen is different to that one, but I don't think he'll be at the club at the end of the window. No, I don't think he will be at the club. I want him to be at the club. I think he's a really good player and he's exactly the player we could have done with last year, but uh, but never mind. My goodness me, Dennis Pratt in that midfield three. The, the amount of the, the amount of whinging Brendan Rodgers did about not having enough box-to-box midfielders and that's why Tielemans and uh, Dewsbury Hall were playing every minute of every game. There, there he is. He's there. But, you know, I don't know whether he's got one of those faces that just doesn't look very happy all the time anyway, Dennis Pratt, but... Regardless of how well he's been playing in pre-season, which he has, he doesn't look like he's enjoying himself, does he? No, it, apparently he was quite unsettled in the in the area. There were there were oh, I would say there were reports on that. It wasn't quite kind of confirmed. It was it was kind of the rumor. But for me, if you're playing four three three, so you got your back two, you got your full backs. Shame about Ricardo doing his Achilles. He's going to be out for a, a awful long time now. But you've got your two full backs. You have got your two centre halves. If you're going to play four three three. Now, you instantly will go the forward three, Vardy up top, Vardy or Dakar, and then you go Barnes on the left, Madison on the right, kind of drifting in, and then you've got the overlapping fullback. Those are the forward three. In midfield, if you don't have Yuri Tillemans, you tell me that having Wilfred and Didi in the centre, on the left is uh, Kinnan Jusby Hall, on the right is Dennis Pratt, kind of doing the same job either side, getting back, getting forward, being... A, basically two number eights kind of up and down slightly to one side one on the left one that to me looks a very balanced hard working um engine room but also you've got your creativity Jewsbury Hall we know also Dennis Pratt is not short of a pass or two and also will be given more of a kind of a a role on the right where you've got a Madison up front and you've got a bombing on fullback to provide the wing you know just maybe hang back a bit or protect that side I think that looks a very competent and a solid midfield yeah that's why I wa- that's why I wanted the answer to him being at the club to be a yes but yeah from a footballing point of view 100% but the question is if, if he's not happy in Leicester because of the area or at Leicester because Rodgers can't say to him I can guarantee you x amount of games in the season um then I can totally understand why he wouldn't want to be at the club. He's not had the best of times. Uh, it, it's kind of 
you don't know what his career would have looked like at another club where he was the sort of the main man and first pick in the centre of midfield. But you, you would suggest that this period at Leicester has possibly stalled his career a little bit. And, you know, we've seen it happen with other midfielders that have come from Europe. Um, Silva, Ebora, just, you know, just come come to mind instantly. And there's probably loads of others um, that haven't quite got to the levels that they managed to achieve with their respective clubs. What what you can see with Dennis Pratt is that ability. What you can see is that work rate, and yeah, the the balance in that midfield three looks looks great if you have him there. But the thing is, you is he the kind of he doesn't strike me as the kind of bloke that's going to sit and wait where Rogers would say to him, "Oh, Dennis, I tell you what, if we sell, if we get rid of Yuri Tielemans, then I'll guarantee you the game time. I'll even give you the number eight shirt if you want, pal." Is he going to sit there and wait until transfer deadline day? Because then if, if Tielemann doesn't go and then Rogers says, well, all right, then Dennis, you're free to leave. Where does that leave him with a few hours of the window to go? It's 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 a hard position for him to be in. Um, I would like to have him playing for Leicester City, but I, I don't. I, I, I think he seems to feel like his time at the club is up, doesn't he? I think so. I, I, the only thing I can think of would be, because you got... Bukari Samari as well, who's played plenty of games in pre-season and more than likely will still be off, but he's still at the club. Both of them were on the bench against Sevilla uh, in that uh, warm-up game at the King Power. but And both of them have a... There's that place in the side waiting for them. If Yuri Tillemans goes, and obviously Yuri will be in, would be first choice in that kind of role, but if he goes, there's your, there's your first team place. And the only th- reason I can see Dennis Pratt kind of staying is that if Yuri Tillemans goes, or he's not in the starting lineup, and and Pratt is, or Pratt more than likely comes off the bench and plays really well, gets a really big ovation from the crowd because I think he's very well liked by supporters. I think everyone wants him to stay, and he plays well, and all of a sudden just gets that confidence. Hang on, this is good. I like it, you know. And then all of a sudden he, he he plays the next game. Same thing happens. Next game he starts. Something like you never know in these games. Before the end of the uh, before the end of August, I was just looking at a, a couple of preseason bets actually, and one of them was for there to be no nil nil draws before the end of um, uh, during August. And I thought well, that's a, that could be quite a good bet, but didn't realise there's about four or five games for each club before the end of August. There's a lot of football to play before the end of the transfer window, so all this could go completely out the window. You naturally, you naturally have the the kind of uh, you naturally have your football club buying the set of players for that season before the first game that's just not the case it hasn't been for a while but it's not the case this year there's so much football to play before the transfer window closes the squad's going to look a lot different and the one club is going to look more different than not it's going to be Leicester compared to a lot of clubs out there because or the fact that they've done no no deals at all so be prepared for that and that's why this yes and no game is pretty good because end of the day, it's so much is going to change and so many players are going to leave. Samare, yes or no? Uh, before pre-season, I'd have said no, but I'm going to lean towards yes. I'm going to go no. I still think he's going to be on his way out. I think someone will come in for him over these next four weeks. I think even if he starts or even if he plays and plays well, I still think someone will come in with the bid and the club will go, do you know what? Yeah, we'll we'll take that. Um, Vestergaard. <laughs> um, do, do I think anybody wants him at the club? No. Do I think he wants to be at the club? No. But is anybody going to come in for him? 
Um, do you know what? I, I can see it being a, in a similar fashion to that we signed him and Bertrand. Uh, I can see it going the other way and going right down to the transfer end of the transfer window and people going, oh, all we could do with an extra centre back. Yeah, let's let's get the big fella. Let's get the big Danish donkey from Leicester. So I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say no. I absolutely agree. I was you've stolen every single word I was gonna say. It's a no because someone's gonna press the panic button. A, a Bournemouth or a Fulham who have been linked with him, they're gonna say right. We could we need that extra player or maybe there's an injury and he even though he's had a terrible time they'll. You know, someone will come in for him, and I think less they'll accept like eight or ten million. Just, just kind of go. Um, Iosi Perez. Yes, I'm going to go for no. I think that's going to be a similar kind of thing as well. I think that's a late job. I think someone, for some reason, there will be a there will be more than likely an injury. Someone will get injured at a football club, and they'll look down the list and go, right, who can we bring in who's of sufficient quality, experience, etc., and also you know, is not going to cost the earth. And I think Perez will be that player. I think there will be bids for him before the end of the, before the, end of the window, and I think he'll probably go. Um, and the final player I was going to mention, I've completed... Oh, yeah. Um, Soyuncu. Yes. This is the difficult one for me because it all re- it all revolves around Fafana. Fafana, if he goes, then Soyuncu is obviously going to start alongside Johnny Evans. Don't forget, those two partnered each other when... Nearly finishing fourth, so it might bring the best out of Soyuncu, which we know his best is is fantastic. Um, I just I think it all revolves around Fafana. I think if Fafana stays, they could well sell him and maybe look elsewhere and bring in another player. But um, yeah, I, I I'm just gonna have to say fifty fifty. Okay, I'll have to come up with a yes or no. Um, yes, I think he'll stay. Yeah, so much depends on the timing for these kind of deals, doesn't it? And obviously, uh, we will put out another disclaimer. This is purely speculation. This is purely me and Pete having a chat because we've not spoken about football all summer and sort of seeing what we think possibly could happen. But you're you're, you're right. If things stay the same, so you to, um and you get a sizable offer for so you and you have... Uh, I can't imagine that Rodgers hasn't got a wish list at the moment. He's got a short list of players. He'll just be waiting for the green light to make an approach for them. There might even be sort of tentative agreements in place for certain players to come in. Um, but it all depends on Leicester balancing the books, as he's very clearly stated. And and if Fafana stays and he's happy to stay, then there's your starting centre-backs. If somebody comes in where you can make a bit of a profit off Soyuncu, say more than we more than you spent on him, or at least recuperate the fee, it, it depends really on whether you think Soyuncu can recapture that form. And, and the person that's best placed to, do, to to make that judgment is obviously Brendan Rodgers. If he thinks that Soyuncu just had a bit of a wobble, um, but actually he's he's had a good preseason, he's he's looking back to his usual self, and and he's got a real role to play in the squad, then obviously you don't you don't take the money for him because there's no guarantee that the player you try and replace him with can can perform to those levels. But if you think, you know what, he was not a one-season wonder, but he was loads better at the start of his Leicester career than he ever will be. Um, sorry about that in the background. It's the ice cream van again. This has happened once before on the podcast. I'm, uh, I'm not nipping out this time. Last time the wife nipped out and got me one while I was on the podcast, which was great, but she's at work, so, you know. Um, yeah, no, if... Flaking my <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Raspberry sauce as well. If um, if if you know if you've got no guarantee that the money coming in for him 
is is going to get you a player of equal quality, then you keep him at the club. There's no point in chopping and changing for the sake of it. So all of these deals are ifs and buts and, and whens as well, because if, if, if those kind of deals happen right towards the end of the window, it really limits your your opportunities to to do the right kind of business so that that's why i will sort of revert to my previous stance of lock the doors from the inside and the out and let's just go with what we've got because the last thing we want to be doing is playing silly buggers in the transfer window with six hours to go yeah it's uh there's there's going to be an awful lot of chopping and changing there's going to be a lot of deals done with leicester it's, it's going to be a very very interesting month now Naturally, you would say any club going into a season without any signings is a club stagnating and, and arguably going backwards. You want a bit of a refresh or you want at least one or two new players just to just to give everyone a bit of a lift. But trying to look on the positive side at Leicester, if you have a James Madison and a Harvey Barnes alongside Jamie Vardy, that's still one of the best forward threes in the Premier League. And... If you're keeping hold of a Yuri Tillemans, you've got a fully fit Wilfred Ndidi. You've got Keenan Jewsby Hall, who, after a brilliant first season, is going to be surely just getting better and better. A back line that includes Wesley Fafana, fully fit. You've got Johnny Evans, hopefully he's going to be fit throughout the course of the season, now captain of the club. The full-backs, it's a shame about Ricardo, but you've got still got James Justin, you've got Castagna, you've got Thomas. And then, obviously, the goalkeeper we've talked about, but... That is still a very good first team squad and a first eleven. You've got Patson Dacker, who's looked pretty sharp during preseason. Looks like he's bulked up a bit as well. It's it's still a very very good first eleven, and the first eleven, which overall we're going to have to come up with where you think we're going to finish. It's a first eleven that, from my eyes, is a is a competing for the top six. Now to finish what eighth last year with all the injuries and problems we had was a great finish. I think a lot of clubs have done some really, really good deals. So those clubs just ahead of us in the league who have been just behind us in the league for a number of years, the likes of Tottenham, the likes of Arsenal, etc., I think are just going to be out of Leicester's kind of reach this season. Um, I, I just look at the Leicester side and I look at... It's very easy for people who are not associated with the club. And, that's, and by that, I mean not a supporter. And look at Leicester and go, I'm going to finish 11th or 12th because other clubs have moved beyond you. I, I think that's absolutely fine. It's very easy to say that, but I think that's that's fine. But as a supporter of the club and knowing what we've got, I think people slightly, because of the lack of signings, forget what we have and forget what we didn't have last season, more importantly. And I just hope Leicester get a really good start and all of a sudden everyone goes, oh yeah, I forgot about Harvey Barnes and isn't Madison and all of a sudden the Madison for England bandwagon carries on because he's been scoring goals and setting them up and looking like that player. And then who knows, maybe we turn down some massive bids before the end of of the month. There's a lot to be optimistic about. There is. There is. You have to sort of it's hard on social media. Uh, because people people aren't saying this kind of thing every day. They're, they're wanting to whinge about something or another. They're wanting to speculate about Fafana taking the words Leicester City or LCFC out of his social media accounts. They're wanting to uh, 
pull up the stat now that Leicester are the only team in the Europe's top five leagues not to sign anybody this summer. But actually, if you if you go away from the new stuff and you actually just look at what already exists, then Bar Schmeichel departing uh, and Ricardo with a long term injury, that's a squad absolutely capable of replicating the recent success of fifth places, fifth place finishes. Um, you know, because it's it's not all based on what happens on paper. In those years, yes, other teams that have finished below us have had slightly worse years than, than they did previously. Same as when Leicester won the title. Leicester played as well as they possibly could uh, and other teams didn't quite um, have the consistency or a few injuries or changes in managers, whatever. You know, you can only play what you're up against and if Leicester start well, uh, gather some momentum, keep the squad together and, you know, it might be a little bit of a ploy in saying that we've got no money to spend unless we sell anybody. It might be that there's a couple of quieter deals being worked on, not talking about spending a huge amount of money. But, you know, um, let's say somebody, somebody's in for players like Pratt or Chowdhury or, or, you know, the ones that you've been through and asked the yes-no questions on, um, particularly the less important sort of players, the less talismanic players, if you like, um, then... You can just press go on that deal straight away and then all of a sudden there's a fifteen million pound player who, who comes and improves your squad. Does he does he make you sort of top four contenders? No. Are we in the market for those kind of players? No. But there is the possibility that Leicester could add one, maybe two, possibly a loan, because there are some wages freed up from Schmeichel's departure, to strengthen the squad further. And and look at it on paper, it's a great squad. It's one of the best squads that Leicester City Football Club have ever had. So, uh, not that we're here to preach to other fans, because you have your own opinions, you think what you like, but there must be a reason you're listening to this podcast. And for what it's worth, if you are one of those people that's feeling a little bit pessimistic and having a bit of a whinge, I can understand where you're coming from, but look at what we have, celebrate what we have, and I think we can be looking forward to another successful season, certainly relative to the... The period of time that we've been covering this podcast, uh, covering Leicester on this podcast, because uh, we've seen some much darker days than not signing anybody after finishing eighth in the Premier League, haven't we? Yeah, and again, not signing anyone before the start of the season. Again, a long way to go before the transfer window closes. Um, let's get on to more important things. Do you like the third kit? <laughs> I knew this had come up. Uh I'm always very interested in your opinions on the kits. Uh, tell me what colours you think it is. It's not one of those internet sensations where there is blue, black, cream, red, beige, whatever. But what 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 colours would you... How would you describe it? Yeah, you give me your description of the kit and I'll try and guess whether you like it or not. Okay, it's got um, a white uh, kind of body and then the arms and collar even though it's not a full kind of like collar like the home shirt uh which i'm not entirely sure why but that's a separate question um is a uh i'm gonna go for cream um and then all of the detail the badge the stripes in terms of adidas and then the uh the, the sponsor um i've not seen it up close but it looks to me like a um kind of like a burgundy uh, a brownie burgundy um I'm completely indifferent on it. I 
I don't mind it. I've not seen it up. up I want to see it in real life. In real life, yeah. I want to see the actual shirts. Um, I quite like it actually. I don't know why the collar's different. I like. I quite like the away kits to be the same as the home shirt, but just different colours. So you look at the home shirt, right? Have a white version of that, okay? And then the stripes can be blue or black or whatever, but. That that from and then you have a third kit and that's yellow, or gold should I say? It's the gold version of the same kit. That's that's what an away shirt should be. So to have a completely different shirt seems a bit weird to me. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't mind the fact that it's got two different colours, um, but yeah, I'd like to see it in person. But I don't don't I find it a bit weird how it is a different kit. If you know what I mean. Yeah, it's normally like you say, it normally matches the style, but with a with the change of of uh, of colours, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh I'm I'd give it like a six and a half out of ten. Seven out of ten, something like that. I am very much indifferent to it. It's similar to you really. I was not expecting indifference from you. You normally either absolutely love a kit or absolutely hate it. I don't think I've ever heard you talk about a kit being in between. So I'm surprised. I I, I want to see it in person. I think when I see it, I'll I'll then go right. Nah. I to be honest, if you had to ask me right now, if I see it in person, am I going to like it or hate it? I'm probably going to fall on the hate it side. I'm I'm looking at it in more detail. Probably the most I've looked at it ever is in this last minute or so, and I'm starting to go nah because of the fact it's a different shirt. It's it's late. I mean, I know a lot of shirts are late this year, but that's a late shirt to be. And it was just bang, there you go. Here's, here's the shirt, and it's like, hang on, you've. Just, it's a very odd, quick. Let's just throw something out there. Look about it, but there you go. We haven't gone awake it, so God knows what's that going to be. Again, why not just have the home shirt but a white version? But there you go. Um, I don't mind the home shirt. Don't mind the collar. You know, I know a lot of people didn't like the collar, but no, quite like it. But I've not quite seen that up up. Uh, up close. I don't know why the badge is not all uh, is, is a coloured badge, and I don't know why it's not whites instead of having this kind of you know. But uh, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what that's about. Um, a beer on Sunday for everyone who goes to the King Power, uh, which is nice to start things off on the right uh, on the right step. Yeah, I th- I'm I'm waiting waiting for some comments saying, oh, if you can afford to give everyone a beer, why can't you afford to sign a player? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up and drink your free beer, or don't. You know, if you go into the game, drink your free beer, enjoy the game, support the team, and and don't make unnecessary comments like that. I know I've probably tempted fate there and started one off, but yeah, it's it the little things like that, just little reminders that he um he, he and the family are still very much invested in the club. Uh, they have invested financially heavily in the club, and that they continue to want to create a good atmosphere good feeling between the fans and the club and the players and look there's the the atmosphere of the club the, the the friendliness of the club the family nature of the club is it's 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 i think worth a couple of places in the premier league every year i really do um even if you look at some other team squads and you think oh they've got slightly better players than than Leicester have they got the level of chemistry camaraderie probably not more than likely not because it's it's a unique place and and you know a lot of players that leave Leicester d- don't necessarily um realize so much at the time but when they leave they they they're like flipping out that was that was a special place that you know Danny Simpson said it recently in an interview and 
not that I've not that I know people inside the club as such, but I kind of I kind of have a little bit of good authority that the atmosphere amongst the players at the moment is fantastic. Nobody is nobody's got any desire to leave. Nobody's sort of handing in transfer requests and looking for a, an exit door. The the, the training ground helps. Yeah, exactly. Of course it does. What a place to go to work every day. You know, the 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 squad look like they all get on very well. They've got um as close to a world class manager as Leicester City are ever going to be able to recruit. They've got the support of the the King Power group and and Kuntop and the family. You know, you've got Leicestershire's a lovely place to live. Um there's, there's not an awful lot, and and look, unless says two of us who don't live well, there. Well, you know, yeah, I'm not. I didn't move away because I hated it. I moved away for work opportunities, different things like that. But you, you know, there's looking at Madison to Newcastle, for example. Why would he want to go to Newcastle? Who could possibly, if Eddie Howe continues his little revolution, finish one place above Leicester City in the Premier League? He's not going to go there and win trophies. So I think unless a, t- a team that you are absolutely certain are going to be top four and pushing for trophies come knocking, there is no reason whatsoever to leave Leicester. The, the, everything about it is is a great place to be. And I have it on on good authority from somebody I spoke to yesterday that the mood amongst the camp is very, very good, very positive, very together, and that there's no discontent, there's nobody wanting out. So... Add that to the fact that the squad is very strong on paper, and and I think there are definitely reasons to be optimistic. And even though you cued me in here with talking about the beer, cheers to that. Let's have let's have a beer on fir- first game of the season. Unfortunately, I won't be there because I'll be sweating my backside off in Ponds Forge watching some swimming. But um, I will be finding a way to watch it on any device possible. So we better talk about the game. I think it's um. I th- I'll... <laughs> It's a decent start. Let's face it. At home against Brentford, a Ericsson less Brentford. Um, if you were to pick a team to play, regard away from those who have been promoted, first game of the season, this is probably the game I would have picked. So on paper, great, but who knows what can happen in the game? I, I just look at it and go, if Leicester can start well in the game, it should really be a game Leicester are not only looking to win, but should win. And getting a... F- I, I worry for Brentford, and I know a, a couple of um, Brentford supporters, season ticket holders, and they're slightly pessimistic as well because of, obviously, what happened at the end of the season with Ericsson just being by far the best player and possibly a reason why they ended up staying up in the end. He And if you can keep the ammunition from Tony quiet, then... And as a player who might want to move away, it's it's um it's a game that Leicester, if they take it by the scruff of the neck, dominate the midfield, get the likes of Madison on the ball, get Barnes running the defence if he's fit enough. I know he picked up a knock, but hopefully he might be fit enough to play. If so, great. Vardy up top, scoring goals. I I look at it and go, it looks to me like a game Leicester can win and win fairly comfortably. That being said. It's a Premier League football match against a side who did ever so well to stay up last year. Very, very solid team. But I just look at what Leicester have got on the front foot. First game in front of the King Power. And hopefully the game where it gets to the stage where the fans are comfortable watching it. And any kind of, we haven't signed anyone, 
upset, which I'm sure is going to be the conversation before the game in the pubs and the bars around the King Power and whilst having your free beer from, from top, the conversation will be about the lack of transfer activity and possibly players maybe leaving. Hopefully, if we go 2-3-0 to three nil up, maybe, in the second half, in the sunshine, on a very nice day, everything kind of dissolves away. It's that stadium, isn't it, the King Power, where it's like that. There's a... When things are going right there on a nice day, there's not many better places to watch football. It's It really is good. And hopefully you get that kind of real feel-good factor. And who knows? Off the bench comes a Dennis Pratt and gets a massive ovation. Comes on to replace Kieran Dewsby Hall, for example. And he gets a massive ovation and makes some really good tackles in the 20 minutes he's on. And all of a sudden, you never know. Things might change. Samari comes on. And all of it gets the ball on the edge of his own penalty area and just rampages downfield. These little things really do matter and could sway teams coming in for players or players deciding actually they want to stay. So hopefully, maybe even if Yuri Tillemans doesn't start, he comes off the bench and he gets a massive ovation. And we get an announcement after a couple of games that, do you know what, I'm staying for an extra season, got the World Cup, etc. Great, fine, get your boots on, get playing. That hopefully that's what I want. I want I want uh, quite a lot actually, but I want Leicester to be in a very comfortable position with twenty minutes to go on a nice day at the King Power. Everyone's in a bit of a oh thank God well, actually yeah we are we are decent and all of a sudden these names come off the bench and that sort of thing happens. That that's what I want a little bit of a little bit of fans just relaxing and not not really worrying about the lack of transfer activity. Obviously, there is the complete flip side. One nil down with twenty minutes to go, and all of a sudden it's like, right, we have, we need to buy a new team. But uh, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm hoping, and that's what I'm going for. I'm going for three nil. Three nil. That that would be a way to wash away any of the pessimism, any of the worries, I guess, that people have had throughout the summer about the lack of transfer activity. You batter Brentford three nil on the opening day of the season create the feel-good atmosphere, uh, you have your free beer, everybody goes home happy, and everybody goes home saying, oh, yeah, like you say, did you see so-and-so? They played really well, or this 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 particular formation worked well, or that partnership, uh, that was a great combination, wasn't it? Oh, maybe we're actually going to, maybe we're actually going to be all right this season. I think a lot of people want to believe it. Some people maybe aren't even considering the fact that we are going to do quite well this season. Um, and they might need to see it to believe it. And, and Sunday's the place where it needs to start. And I think that the players have got a bit of a responsibility there, really. They, they'll they know that, that most of them try and shut themselves off from most of the outside noise. But they will know that um, there is some discontent about the lack of signings. So they will know that it's their job to go out there and say, look, we are the Leicester City players. We are the players that are pulling on this shirt. And we are the players that are going to go and prove to you that we are good enough and that we don't necessarily need anybody else. And, uh, you know, Brentford were all ac- all action last season, weren't they? Are they going to do a Sheffield United and struggle in their second season? Uh, probably because I think their style of play was found out a little bit and, and Ericsson really gave them the quality uh, and the belief to, to stay in the Premier League. Um, so I think they are absolutely beatable. I still think that Leicester might be a little bit leaky, particularly with changing goalkeeper, that kind of thing. But I still want to see three goals, so I'm going 3-1. 
I'll take three one. I'll take three one. I've just got I've got Danny Ward having a clean sheet in my mind. That's one thing. And um That'd and go down Danny very Ward's, well, wouldn't it? It would do because he's in my fantasy football team, Rob. He's in my FPL side. What a superb um, segue, Pete. Uh, um now Fancy football is back. The FBL. We've got our league going. We're, I'm sure you've got your team sorted, Rob. I've got my team sorted. And if you've entered, then great. If you're on that big list of players, great, fantastic. Uh, the code, best thing to do is go to Twitter, at FFSpod. Give us a follow on there, and you can find the tweets, uh, which I'll be tweeting every single day until now, until the start of the season, which is tomorrow evening, uh, with the code. But if you want the code, write this down. It's not a very long code. It's 9, the number 9, uh, lowercase F E three X Q. So F for Fafana, E for Evans, three the number three X which for X, uh, and then Q at the end. So nine F E three X Q. That's the uh, for Fox eight FPL uh, league code. If you type that in, then you can just enter into the league, and we can see how we go. This season, I've got dreams of a top 10. Very close last year, but there we go. And you had a good finish, didn't you, to the season. Um, that's it for the podcast, Rob. The only thing I think of, actually, is um, as much as I'm sure everyone watched the women's football, it was, it was it was brilliant. I did have a bit of a moan about, from obviously I work for, um, well, one of, one of my many jobs is working down at Arsenal, at Arsenal women's uh, team. And they sold over 7,000 tickets in about 36 hours after the final whistle at Wembley. And from about yesterday backwards to that final, I worked on a Leicester City women's... I know it's only on Twitter, but they tweeted once about a link for season tickets. And it wasn't a very kind of, look how much they are, they're only this, they were come. It was a very much, oh, by the way, buy your tickets here. And I'm like, come on, you've got the biggest thing that's ever happened in women's football in this country by a million miles. They should be tweeting every hour. You realise the most expensive season ticket for Leicester City women is £42 for an adult. The most expensive for a season ticket, £42. Under eights are free. The rest are hardly anything. I, I don't understand how they've not tweeted the hell out of it every hour saying this. Come and Also, the games are at the King Power. I don't understand. Now, the... the um, the main LCFC Twitter handle has retweeted it a couple of times. They should be doing the same. I'm still not convinced of why. I I know there must be a, a lot of reasons, but I can't fathom one why season ticket holders for Leicester City men's team aren't given access to the Leicester City women's games as well. If it's only £42 for a season ticket, why can't people who go and watch the men's side with a season ticket get into the king power surely there's your and also all the bars filled um i know they've got a new system in the north stand now the hospitality you might not be sitting in your own seat because they might want to open up only like two-thirds of the ground or, or three quarters of the ground but i don't understand that first game of the season imagine leicester's first home, also the fixtures they should be a, all the time our, ne- our first game is this game get your ticket for the first game but no Imagine a nice warm day, King Power on a Sunday, Leicester against whoever in the, I don't even know they're playing in the Women's Super League. They're playing, I don't know, Manchester United or they're playing Aston Villa. Let's pick Villa. 
They're playing Aston Villa, first game, on the back of the women's Euros. You can get in with your season ticket. How many are going to turn up and go, do you know what, we'll give it a go. We'll go and see what's what. You, there's got to be 10,000 on, on a nice day, do you know what I mean? after all that happened. Surely. But I, I don't know. There must be 1,012 reasons why. But that, to me, just seems a real open goal that's been missed by the club but and I don't know why they aren't aren't really pushing it hopefully they will hopefully they'll push it at the men's games hopefully there'll be things on every single seat a leaflet saying this is a women's season ticket you can get your seat here maybe something like that will happen but yeah I don't know it's it seems to, I know the season doesn't start for a while I know the first games are in September so we are a bit of a way off but strike while the iron is mega, mega hot.